0: You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, Legal Talk Network listeners. This is producer Lawrence Coletti reporting to you about the 2015 annual Florida Bar Convention, which took place at the Boca Raton Club in Boca Raton, Florida. What you're about to hear are two panel interviews covering the convention's Animal Law in Florida seminar, which is presented by the Florida Bar's Animal Law Committee. It was our privilege to welcome on the air, in order of their appearance, Florida Representative Michelle raywinkle Vasilinda, Florida State Senator Maria Sachs, Ms. Kate McFall, the Florida Director of the Humane Society of the United States, and Animal Law Lawyer Ms. Diane Ferguson. We now cut to Florida Representative Michelle raywinkle Vasilinda.
1: I'm in the Florida House, and I represent District 9 in Florida, and that is the capital region where the capital city is. And um, I've been an animal advocate all my life. Uh, we have two rescue dogs and a rescue cat, and um, that, that's what really got me interested in being uh, an advocate for animals in the Florida House. Uh, I also helped kill the ag-gag bill back in 2012, and I've been in good company with these other women who are just powerhouses for a number of years.
2: So glad to be on this panel. Senator Sachs. Thank you. Well, welcome to my district. Thank you. I represent this beautiful area here, and um, it still doesn't give me a free cup of coffee though, unfortunately. (laughs) But anyways, I, I am the State Senator for District 34 which is the whole coastline uh, from uh, Boynton Beach down to uh, the Port Everglades. And I am uh, very honored to be in this uh, in this group, and I want to thank you for putting this on the air, because the more attention that is given to animal rights, um, the better it's going to be. And I'm very, very proud to be part of the Florida Bar member of the bar for over 30 years and I think we're going in the right direction by focusing on animal law and what it can do to enhance the people of the state of Florida.
3: Okay, Ms. McFall. Hi, yes, I'm Kate McFall, and I'm the Florida State Director for the Humane Society of the United States. And I- Animal protection legislation is a top priority for me in my position. I live in Tallahassee. And I'll speak. uh, Diana and I are honored and thrilled to be on this panel today with Representative Winkle, Vassalinda, and Senator Sachs both. So we're thrilled to be here. And animal protection legislation is critical and becoming more and more important, and the awareness is growing, and that's a wonderful thing. Ms. Ferguson. Thank you. Um, My name is Diana Ferguson. I'm an
4: attorney with Rutledge Senia in Tallahassee, and I've been practicing animal law for about 10 years now. Um, I currently represent the Florida Animal Control Association, and prior to that, I was a legislative advocate at the Association of Counties, where I also handled animal
0: control issues. Okay, so I invited you to be on this uh, panel interview because you were speaking at an event, It was a seminar called Animal Law in Florida. And so it was. Uh, it was presented. Oh, actually, it was presented by the Animal Law Committee. And so you guys were there. And I just before we get started uh, getting into the in-depth discussion, I wanted to talk about animal rights in general. Just I think a lot of people their exposure to animal rights is what happened with Michael Vick, and so they think about that when they think animal rights. So uh, there's a lot here. You know, there's pet trusts and uh, there's endangered species acts and things like that so I was wondering if I could just float this question out to whoever feels the most comfortable in general what are animal rights animal law animal rights
1: well
2: Well, all right, we covered
1: covered a number of issues on our panel today, and so I'll just talk a little bit about that, and then uh, Senator Sass can kind of dive in here. We talked about what's going on with bears in Florida. We talked about what's going on with dog racing in Florida. We talked about what's going on with um, rhinoceros uh, uh, horns and tusks and that kind of thing. There's all sorts of issues that we can get into, even research monkeys. So those kinds of issues are uh, there's a animal rights a- touches human rights at
2: many different levels. That's very true, uh, Representative. You know, um, I find it interesting that the Florida Bar is taking a special interest in this, and that's because um, animals have become a uh, a big commodity. They figure a lot in pet trusts. And so attorneys need to make sure that um, that if somebody wants to you know, leave their estate to their pet dog, that there's a legal way to do it and to protect the animal and to protect the estate. Secondly, uh, Florida is a big racing state. Uh, and that implies that we have uh, horse racing as well as dog racing uh, throughout the state. And that's also a very big, big business. Uh, we are also a uh, sort of ground zero for developing into the areas that are protected, or there have, we've had protected rights for certain animals. And so uh, that's also a big issue. So uh, with that, I'm going to pass it off to my left and we can hear from one of the strongest advocates for animals, uh, Kate McFall from the Humane
3: Society. Well, Well, thank you. Most people really do care about animals. They care about animal welfare, don't want harm to come to animals. But what they do with that is, is you know, an issue and a work in progress, so to speak. But people really do care about these issues, whether it's dogs and cats or bears and rhinos and elephants. But bridging that gap and getting my dog and cat friends, as I say, to care about coyotes and elephants and monkeys in a research facility in Henry County, all of these issues, or sea turtles, as the gentleman brought up in the panel today they are are also important and so bridging that gap and realizing that all animals matter and that's a big part of my job but so animal protection legislation and advocacy are huge and getting people who do care to politely voice these concerns let their lawmakers know on the county level on the state level and up that these issues matter because they really do to most people and that's florida has some work to do we've done a lot of good things but as we've discussed we have some work to do especially with greyhounds
4: You know, I'm a member of the committee, and the interesting thing about it is that it isn't just about animal rights, although certainly most of us are um, very much animal advocates, and it's it's an issue of passion for a lot of us. Um, but being an animal law practitioner brings all sorts of things into play. You can have land use issues. You can have mental health issues even when you're dealing with hoarding and other types of issues. There's an awful lot of crossover between what the animal law committee does and what many of the other sections do. Certainly the local government lawyers and, and that type of thing. Um, and so it's been very interesting to learn just how many areas of the law that we touch from where we are. And um, I think it's Great that we've got this committee that's now going to be a section, and I think we can do some really great things.
0: Well, that's a great segue into my next question and the development of law in Florida this year during this session. I want to definitely get into that, and I understand there's a lot of other topics that uh, that you touched on during your panel that during your panel discussion. So, you know. Some states, you're beginning to see the resolution of a family, in you know, family law matters when there's a divorce, there is an agreement on how to separate with the pets, and so this is a new one for me, you know, I'm just thinking, well, you know, they're pets, and they're not children, but this is becoming a more and more important issue to people, and so The laws are beginning to change. So let's touch on that. Uh, How how have some of the updates affected Florida law this year during this session?
4: Well, you know, the interesting thing is it seems to me, as someone who does follow animal law closely, that there are more and more pieces of legislation each year that somehow relate to animals. Um, And this year was no exception. There were several. And I know there's a few issues we're going to touch on in more detail, but I'll just briefly hit a couple of the uh, pieces of legislation that passed and that failed. Um, One bill that I was personally very involved in was Senate Bill 420 by Senator Grimm, That bill provides that when animal control agencies recover stray livestock that they can be adopted rather than auctioned Um, and that's going to be great for animals like horses Or pigs, goats, you know, animals that you don't often think of when you think of animal control. Um, And that's a great improvement in the law there. Um, We've also provided additional powers for municipalities that agree to train their officers so that they can better handle criminal cases without having to involve another agency. And then lastly, we've provided more flexibility for those local government agencies to process their citations so that they don't get lost in the shuffle and that we can get some resolution there. Um, Another bill that passed that garnered a lot of attention was the Service Animal bill uh, by Representative Smith, House Bill 71, and that bill provides um, a couple of things. Public accommodations will now um, be required to permit the use of service animals. Um, but in addition, anyone who knowingly or willingly holds himself out as someone who needs a service a service animal or trains a service animal is guilty of a second degree misdemeanor, and that was also very good legislation that passed.
0: Let me jump in and ask a brief question about that because I think when people think of service animals, they mostly think of dogs, especially seeing eye dogs, but I don't think that category is limit. I've heard of, uh, you know, for mental health reasons, people getting special accommodations for airplanes and they're bringing a variety of animals on there, but there's <laughs> got to be a limit because I don't think people want a cockatiel in, uh, in an airplane flying around, you know, because or somebody's uh, feeling better or a pig <laughs> for that matter. So what are some of the limitations on service animals in the state of Florida?
4: Well, you've touched on an interesting point, and this is not an area where I would hold myself at to be an expert, but I do know that um, the genesis of the legislation was, a, a, you know, the big potential for abuse and folks claiming that they need a service animal when in fact they don't. And so, you know, that's been a big issue in condominiums and HOAs. It's been, um, you know, just a big issue in Florida. And so I think this bill is probably just a first step toward reining some of that in, but I think it's a very important one.
2: I think it might include Horses, miniature horses, and dogs. I think that that were that those two categories were mentioned in the statute: uh, dogs and miniature horses, as being uh, you know qualified mm-hmm. to assist as service animals. I know that there are cases where folks feel like cats give them a certain sense of security but I think what we're looking for here is service animals. those animals as described in the statute as defined in the statute that can actually do uh, that can do physical things that the person who needs that animal cannot do for themselves such as open drawers, uh, open doors um, and uh, you know hear things that the person may be deaf. And the animal will alert the person to noises around them. And, of course, for the blind and physically impaired, that they would be able to walk with them. And and, and so, as as uh, Diana said, to open the door, it may be one day that there could be, you know, um, from our great monkey uh, cousins, you know, <laughs> that they could be very helpful. I could never understand why you don't use monkeys, you know, to turn the lights on and put your computer on when you need it, you know, but who knows? It's a, it's a, it's a whole new area of law. And I'm very excited to be here at the very beginning of it.
0: Now, I understand there's some important issues that we've got to touch upon. That, uh, And I want to kind of just start on one that you're very passionate about. Uh, you mentioned decoupling of dogs. And so I um, I don't know uh, who, who's the uh, person to speak about this, but it's an important issue. Can you explain, give it a general explanation as to what it is and, and then what happened in your discussion? And-
1: I think all of us are concerned, but I think Senator Sachs probably can speak to this the best. This is an area where she's really been an expert.
2: Well, this is a team effort on all of us because this is an old industry in Florida and uh, I think that our, our great advocate for all of us uh, has been uh, the Humane Society and Kate McFall and Grade 2K um, because I didn't know that much about uh, racing dogs. I'd never been to a, a racetrack, and, uh, but I do know that it is part of Florida's history. Uh, you know, racing dogs started here uh, about the time of the Depression, and and a lot of folks like it back in those days, but now uh, we have no more need for this type of business. So I think that what we've been trying to do in the legislature, and uh, my good friend, uh, Representative uh, Ray Winko-Vasalinda has been my colleague on the other side of, of, of the chamber, is to, is to educate the people of Florida that... We can no longer continue with this cruel, inhumane sport on these beautiful, noble animals, where we lose one every three days to racing. I we didn't lose know that one greyhound every three days dies uh, because of racing. We don't need this anymore. It's not should not define us as a people, and uh, and so I think that. Uh, a couple, a couple, we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep trying. And uh, with the great advocacy of uh, the Humane Society and Kate McFaul as their, as their spokesperson, I, I, I know that we are one day going to outlaw this, uh, this inhumane sport. I'd like to hear what, uh, what Kate McFaul has to say about it.
3: Well, thank you. And Senator Sachs has been a real champion for Greyhound Decoupling, and it would just take that mandate away so that tracks can choose for themselves should they want to keep racing or do fewer races. But right now, they're made to, by law, keep racing even though it's not profitable. I mean, no one goes to dog races anymore. I mean, it's just it's a thing of the past. And the tracks are losing money. The state spends more money regulating this inter- the industry than they bring in a tax revenue. It's crazy. So as a taxpayer, that's frustrating because the state is losing money on this. It's inhumane. The tracks don't want it. And it's it just doesn't make sense from any way you look at it. And lawmakers on both sides of the aisle absolutely support this. Pretty much everyone does. And uh, my colleague, Carrie Teal with Great UK, USA. We work very closely on this and people see us around the Capitol and they say, it's the dog folks. It's the greyhound folks. It's such a well-known issue. Everyone knows about it. It is time for Florida to get rid of this. And again, decoupling is just taking away the mandate. Ultimately, we will ban it outright in Florida. We'll do the decoupling first and greyhound injury reporting, which is transparency. So we know how many dogs are being injured.
1: Right. All right. One thing I'd like to talk about is the research monkeys. We talked about that on the panel. Um, And we have research monkeys being brought into the state of Florida, a new business that's been... uh, created and now is being promoted and we need to be very careful about that. We've had research monkeys escape in Florida for decades and they're around and about and they cause problems for agriculture. They love oranges. It may sound funny but they do love oranges and they love avocados and they get and they eat and so we need to be very careful about that. The other thing is they carry disease. They're disease vectors Um, and so we need to be careful about those kinds of businesses and what kind of business we promote. So when I made my introductory comments about where animal issues and human issues intersect. Those are one of those issues. The other one is the ivory and the, and the tusk um, uh, importation and sale. A lot of that money that is used for, from the sale and profiting of ivory and tusk sale goes to terrorists, and we need to be very cognizant of that. Oh, interesting. So, when you're buying ivory and you're v- buying new tusk and new ivory, you are contributing to terrorist events. And so, that's where I was, uh, that's one of the things I think. If people understood that, I think they would really start looking at these things differently. These there's an intersection of where the animals and human beings intersect, and it is in research monkeys, one of those areas, and in um,
2: Tuscan and Horn. This and I'm going to say something nice, because think? well, you know, I know in Hendry County <laughs> you always it's like, say something nice. Well, I'm trying to be. I, I want to look at the. I want to <laughs> look at the uh, at, at, at the best that Florida can be. And uh, and you know we have a real issue in this state with uh, with uh, lack of honeybees. Oh, uh, lack oh, of yeah. honeybees and yeah, i absolutely. know president obama did a federal is going to give us some money here at the university of florida to study what's happening to the honeybee population now look i know they sting and i have and i'm one person who has been stung by honeybee so so what's the reason that we want to encourage honeybees it's because they provide over 60 percent pollination for our crops and And Florida, believe it or not, we sit here in the Boca Raton Hotel, we can't imagine that we are the second uh, most productive agricultural state in the country. So if we lose our honeybees... We are going to lose a lot of the revenue that, uh, that produces our beautiful crops. And so that's, a, that's become a big deal. And, and I want to be able to make sure that we do legislation on that. And uh, also on, and I know Leon County has passed a county ordinance allowing for family chicken coops, you know, backyard <laughs> chicken coops. So I look forward to also becoming a little more friendly and more organic with uh, use of, of this beautiful area of Florida that we have and following the lead of, uh, of Leon County uh, and making sure that, uh, that you know, look, uh, you know what kind of people you are by the way you treat your animals. And I know that Floridians love their animals. You only have to go to our mall to see folks in a, with a baby carriage and inside uh. a little puppy, you know? <laughs> it's so precious. But in the same same sense. Well, we are committed, and, and it is up to us and the Florida Bar to open, open the doors to see what, how we are really treating all the animals in our state and to make sure that we treat them with respect.
1: And I think Senator Sachs has some great things that she said here, and I think that really is a is a great way to approach this. You know, the other another place to come at this, too, is biodiversity. And If if we are concerned about the planet, we should be concerned about all the creatures in it, which are the bees, um, you know, the bears, uh, the turtles, all these kinds of things that really help make our world what it is. And as we start chopping away And seeing um, extinctions happen, I think we're losing the kind of world that we would like to see preserved, and we need to be cognizant of that. And something like the Animal Committee, um, Animal Rights Committee here at the Florida Bar, that's now going to be a section, I think that's a, a consciousness raising piece too because one thing that Senator Sachs said on the panel was you know when when a section of the Florida Bar speaks there is credibility in that with legislators it's great to have lobbyists who are passionate and well versed and, and very knowledgeable about these issues come to us and talk to us but it's also something for a Florida Bar for the Florida Bar to have a section uh, that will be speaking to these issues and, and looking at the laws and reviewing them so I'm really excited about that uh, and I think it's a place where once again we can see where animals and humans intersect and where we have mutual uh, interests as uh, so to speak um, and and so th- that that's very exciting and I, I see that that we're, we're moving in those directions
3: one thing I wanted to add to what representative just said about people come to people in Florida love wildlife they love animals people come to Florida to enjoy the wildlife we have here And because Florida's a long, skinny state, the preservation of wildlife corridors and connectivity is huge, huge issue for all wildlife. They can't, they have pockets. And for example, black bears have seven different subpopulations. They can't get across the city of, you know, big city to get with their other bears in the other habitat. So they're fragmented and many other species are as well. So preserving some connectivity for wildlife to get from A to B, without having to go across the city is important. And people do come to Florida to enjoy the incredible wildlife here. Absolutely, and the Everglades. I mean, for heaven's
1: sakes, that's and leaving green spaces for human beings too. It is another place where humans and animals their interests coincide, because you want beautiful green space for human beings to be able to enjoy and relax and and become more healthy. So as we create these corridors and make sure there's corridors for animals, we also create wonderful green spaces and and avoid sprawl that just takes up our state and makes it really fair. You know, frankly, not. Is attractive.
0: I think you made some very good points. I've learned a lot about animal law, but you know, you know, we talk about law. We've been talking about a lot of different areas of law since we since we arrived at the convention here. And and uh, this one's really interesting to me because, you know, in law we give up certain liberties to live together. So we have this social fabric that holds us together. But this is really interesting for me. I'm learning a lot here. There's a different fabric as species of this planet. We all have to kind of go together. We all need to make some sacrifices so we can. So we can have better, we have a better planet. But uh, you know, it's it's in our best interest to to do manage this the best that we can. So no, it's wonderful to hear all the programs that are going on here. But uh, wanted to uh, just ask one more question before we close it out, um, the animal law committee. So how do you get involved? And, um, you know, where, where can people reach you?
4: Well, the Animal Law Committee, as a couple of folks have mentioned on the panel, is soon to become a section. And so if you would like to participate in the section, when you receive your bar renewal form for next year, we're going to be on there. You just have to fill in the oval and pay the dues, and you're a member of the section. If you would like to participate in the committee's activities prior to that, um, we do have a webpage on the main Florida Bar website that you can go to. And... Well, you know, it's, it's a little informal between here and there. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Um, but certainly you can even just call the bar and they will put you in touch with the committee. Um, but again, you know, we're kind of going through some growing pains here. Soon we will be a section and it will be all settled and we'll be off and running. <laughs>
0: Excellent, excellent. And it's
4: settled that you're a section. Absolutely. Yes, yes. yeah. It's just just a little bit of transition now. We're no longer doing committee preference forms. We're going to be doing the section next year. So we're in this in between space where it's.
2: And you know, um, that's very good that you said that, uh, Diana, because if you look at, uh, first of all, what what Kate advocates for, uh, which deals with paramutual law, and then uh, which look at what uh, Representative Vassalinda talks about which is also biodiversity and uh, and energy and environmental law and then uh, when you look at the whole scheme i i you know i've been an attorney over 30 years uh, we this animal law really uh, Intersects and interacts with so many different areas of law, whether it's trusts and estates or family law uh, or a gaming law. Um, this is something that has had to happen, and uh, and I'm very uh, proud of Florida Bar. I want to thank them. I think it's Ralph DeMeo who yes. is uh, yes. ahead correct. of this and, and, yes. and uh, a good correct. friend of oh, all of us. Really yeah. a good uh, a good In the person. State of Florida. This is where this is the future. And I would say to anybody who a young lawyer or a not so young lawyer that wants to get involved in the future of Florida, this is the section they get into. Good. Well said. I think that's a great place to leave (laughs) this.
0: So I just have uh, one last little question for you. It's it's a softball, so don't worry. So if our listeners wanted to reach out, learn more about about, uh, what you're doing uh, in animal law and a little bit more about Florida law in general, how can they reach you? We'll start with uh, Representative um, Michelle Raywinkle vasalinda
1: All right. Well, you can call my office. My phone number is 850-717-5009. My email is Michelle.raywinkle, and that's R-E-H-W-I-N-K. K E L at myfloridahouse.gov. I'm also on Twitter, and my handle's at Rep Excellent. Michelle. And Wait, um, say that one more time. It's at Rep Michelle, and that's M I C H E L L E. And I respond to all my Twitter stuff myself. And then I'm also on Facebook. I have a fan page and a friend page. Um, my friend page is a little full right now, but uh, please reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to hear from folks. I'd,
2: I'd adore it. So thank you, Senator Sachs? Thank you. Um, my personal email is. Uh, maria m-a-r-i-a l for lucky sacks s-a-c-h-s maria l Sachs at gmail and uh i i have a uh, website that you can connect uh, with or um i have a twitter but uh but call me up i'm at 561 area code 945 Eight eight zero zero. That's a personal uh, cell phone, and it is a uh, personal email. So, uh, and if you want to connect me with the government, you can just look it up on the under state senator. Uh, but let me know what issues you may have. Um, I know that uh, this is an exciting new area, and I look forward to hearing from anybody once you get involved. All right, Ms. McFall.
3: Sure, you can reach me at kmacfall@humane society. humanesociety.org, and that's M A C. Or florida at which is a little easier, or 850 508 1001. Ms. Ferguson? Sure. um, You can get me at Rutledge Asenia
4: in Tallahassee at 850-681-6788 or by email at dferguson, D-F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N at Rutledge, R-U-T-L-E-D-G-E dash Asenia, E-C-E-N-I-A dot com. And also for folks who are interested in the Animal Law Committee, in addition to a webpage on the Florida Bar website, we've also got a Facebook page. So if you just search for Florida Bar, Animal Law Committee. You can find us there. Please like us. Um, we are embarking upon our social media campaign, and so we want as many folks to express their support that way as possible.
0: We hope you enjoyed this part one of two panel interviews. Up next, we continue our coverage of the Animal Law in Florida seminar with Gil Panzer, vice chair of the Animal Law Committee, and animal lawyer Marcy Lahart. We now cut to Gil Panzer. I'm Gil
5: Panzer. I am a solo practitioner here in Boca Raton, and I practice various civil law cases. I handle family law, business litigation, workers' compensation, and other matters. I'm also a vice chair of the Animal Law Committee, and that's what I'm here about today. And Marcy?
6: I am also a solo practitioner. My office is in Gainesville, Florida. I handle animal law cases. So I represent people who have legal problems that involve their pets, things like veterinary malpractice, pet custody issues, Dangerous dog cases, if somebody's dog bites someone and the county wants to take their dog away, I am one of the lawyers you can call.
0: Okay. Well, in an earlier interview today, we covered uh, the seminar that you that you spoke at uh, titled Animal Law in Florida. And we had a few guests that stopped by and gave us some information about what's going on, uh, including uh, Florida State Senator Maria uh, Sachs and uh, Florida Representative Michelle rainwinkle Vasalinda uh, Miss Diane Ferguson from the Florida Animal Control Association, and Miss Kate McFall, she is the Florida State Director for the Humane Society of the U.S. And so they gave us uh, a lot of information about what you guys are doing uh, with, the, uh, with the Animal Law Committee. And so, uh, Marcy, you, know, you had a different segment of that same seminar, and it was titled uh, Career Animal Lawyer, Can You Make a Living? So can you give us a 50,000-foot explanation as to what that's about?
6: Yes. I talked about some of the kinds of cases that I take in my practice, um, how it is very difficult to make a living trying to find clients that are willing or able to pay for animal law representation by the hour. What I have learned after 20 years plus in this business is to take cases that have prevailing party attorney's fees provisions. That means that if I win, the other side pays me. And so, for example, in a Fair Housing Act case, When I prevail, it's the condo association that pays me. I've handled a lot of public records and open government cases where whichever government is withholding information is the one that ends up writing me a check at the end. It's been very lucrative to my practice because I've never been very good at getting my own clients to pay me. I'm a little too soft-hearted.
0: Gotcha. So now, animal lawyer, you know, there, we talked uh, some about the issues and the laws being developed uh, over the course of this session uh, when it comes to animal law, animal rights. But uh, as an animal lawyer, what, uh, what kind of issues do you face when it comes to animals, their rights, the laws? What, what kind of issues are you facing?
6: Well, I'm not an animal rights attorney. Animals don't have rights under the law. I represent people who own animals that have problems involving their companion animals, their pets. The bulk of my practice is representing people who have disabilities, either a mental or physical disability, that rely on an assistance animal. So some of those animals are trained service animals. Some of those animals are what are called emotional support animals. They don't require any training, but being able to live with them means a lot to someone with autism, or Alzheimer's, or severe depression, or someone who suffers from panic disorders. And unfortunately, A lot of condos in South Florida don't like to make exceptions for anyone.
0: Wow. Okay. So you're you're uh, going against a lot of uh, condo, condo associations, condominium owners uh, often find themselves as the defendant in a case that you're that you're representing in.
6: It's condominium associations and homeowners associations most often.
0: Okay. And uh, I want to turn the microphone back to to Gill. Now you're uh, vice chair of the uh, of the animal law committee, and so you guys had quite an event today. Uh, some wonderful presenters, and so I just wanted to get a, a little bit of a feel for your role. Uh, tell us about what what your responsibilities. Are.
5: Yes, we had an interesting afternoon here with Animal Law in Florida, interesting speakers and presentations. I'm a vice chair, and today I'm filling in for our chair, Ralph DeMeo, for our Animal Law Committee. The purpose of the Animal Law Committee is to encourage the participation in and the study of animal law in Florida and to educate on animal law in Florida. And I'll give you some highlights about what the Animal Law committee has done recently. Last year, we had our 10th year anniversary as a substantive law committee, and we always have an interesting CLE with presentations every year at the Florida Bar annual convention, including this year. And you had some of those speakers before today, including some of our people from the Senate and state legislature and some of our known lobbyists as well. And of course Marcy here who is well known in animal law in Florida. So this is a typical CLE, a very good one that we're proud of. And we encourage lawyers to participate in animal law in Florida and try to things that they're interested in, learn about things that may be of interest to them, and educate on animal law in Florida. We do other things. Our chair has, for example, done a student animal law legal writing competition for a number of years. We have a monthly electronic legal update that we submit to our members and other people who are interested. That's on a monthly basis. It's very popular. We have worked with the Florida Bar closely, for example, last year, to create a special issue involving animal law. That's the special issue of the journal, which is unusual to have a special issue in just one field. We put that together, and that came out in November 2014. Biggest project I'd like to mention that we've done for the last couple of years has been to create a section. We are currently a committee but we have, over the past couple of years, worked to create a section which has involved a lot of work with bar leadership and others, and I would say hundreds of volunteers to become a section, and the new animal law section will become effective May next year, 2016.
0: So the, the seminar uh, uh, Animal Law in Florida, you know, went on from uh, approximately 1 p.m. To, to 5, 10 p.m., so lots of content coming out in that seminar. And so I wanted to ask you a couple of questions uh, in regards to that after, after seeing this event, and, and I don't know how much of it you got to witness, but, uh, but I wanted to ask you what was your biggest takeaway from what you saw today uh, being presented? And we'll start, we'll start back with you, Gil.
5: Animal Law touches on a wide variety of topics, and we had presenters from the beginning from the senate and the legislature and that was about bills that had been proposed number one and then a discussion about bills that passed and others that failed and some of the reasons and how the legislature works it's not intuitive And lawyers, especially young lawyers, learn a lot from that, how the legislature works, how to get bills passed, and what problems can be faced. So that's always interesting to listen to from the experts that are involved in uh, the front lines. We had a presentation on ethical issues. There are all kinds of ethical issues that one can be involved in as a lawyer, and animal law is a good way to present those and discuss them. We had Marcy here who will talk more about her presentation but she is an expert on making it as a career in animal law. She handles all types of animal cases which are difficult cases in Florida. We had a presentation on pet trusts involving people that want to care for their pets and how to make arrangements for that. The differences in law in Florida versus other states and numerous other issues. We had a speaker on family law and animal law, the intersection between those fields. And we had a speaker on local government and animal control and issues facing cities, counties, and other entities dealing with
0: problems involving animals. So Marcy, what were some of your takeaways from, from the uh, seminar?
6: I particularly enjoyed the recap of the legislative session. I- I am familiar with the laws that passed, but I don't cover or pay close attention to the legislative session. So it was interesting to learn about bills that had been enacted and did not get passed. My approach to the legislative session is the same way that I, I ride a roller coaster. I hold on tight. I close my eyes and, uh, don't open them till it's over and it comes to a stop. And that's uh, kind of what I did with the legislative session. I know that there were a lot of bills that were introduced, um, but I, I didn't pay close attention. Uh, so it was great to get educated, particularly from the perspective of a, uh, a lobbyist who wouldn't necessarily have the same perspective on some issues that I did. So it was great to hear uh, a different approach. And I also enjoyed the presentation by the person who uh, is a county attorney for Osceola County, Sarah Tate who talked, um, again, from her perspective as a county attorney. I'm often on the other side of county attorneys, uh, so it's always interesting to hear perspectives from attorneys who work on the same sorts of issues but from different sides.
0: Great. You know, I I learned a lot. Uh, you know, uh, from this from this uh, interview and from the last one as well. And I think what is so fascinating about animal law is where it just seems to get its tentacles into everything. There seems to be a lot of conflicting interests, a lot of conflicting areas of law. You know, if, animals uh, if it's livestock can be treated as property but we want to treat them in a humane way when we're when we're using them as livestock you've got endangered species you've got uh, service animals and emotional support animals and you've got property owners and these these concepts and a family law even which was uh, kind of a new one for me uh, this year learning about uh, you know some of these uh, divorce settlements uh, people are trying to figure out how to divide up uh, their animal family and so it's just amazing to me all of the conflicts in there and one of the questions we came up with uh, in the in the earlier interview was that uh, you know when it comes to service animals and emotional support animals and uh, people around these service animals and so I think everyone accepts that dogs are service animals you know that lead the blind and they uh, they're emotional support animals but people have affections for other types of pets and so I was just I wanted to uh, just kind of get a feel from you uh, uh, Marcy uh, you know you represent these clients how do you feel about that? Where's the limit on that? I mean, you can't have, you know, a pet pig or, or a pet horse sitting on the plane next to you when you want emotional support. So so where, where do you think the line ought to be drawn there when it comes to an emotional support animal?
6: Well, I think there's a lot of confusion about the difference between an emotional support animal and a service animal. Um, you are allowed to have an emotional support animal on a plane, but it has to meet certain criteria. Um, I don't think a pig would... However, I did have a case involving three autistic children in Marion County who had pot-bellied pigs that were their emotional support animals. They lived in an area that was not zoned for livestock. Under the county's code, pot-bellied pigs are considered livestock, so they were commanded to get rid of the pigs. Fortunately, I was able to sit down with a county attorney after writing them a letter and formally requesting an accommodation under the Fair Housing Act. And the children were reunited with the pigs. There's a big difference between having pot-bellied pigs in your backyard and having them on an airplane. I hear a lot about the, the supposed travesties of fake service animals. I think a lot of that comes from misunderstanding. Even people who have emotional support animals don't necessarily understand that just because they have a letter from a dog trainer doesn't mean that they can take their dog to a restaurant. But I've also found situations in which trainers dupe people. They convince them if you give me $5,000 and let me take Fluffy for a week, when you get Fluffy back, Fluffy's going to be a trained service animal and you can take Fluffy anywhere. Well, that's not true. But people are misled and they don't know any better.
0: So this is a question I've always just been curious about. You know, I know that people are allergic to dogs, and so I've animals on planes, or I see dogs on the plane. I guess not all the time, but enough where I notice it. You know, and it's usually small dogs in those little uh, carry-on bags. And so I've always wondered: is have you have you seen a lot of resistance on this? Like, hey, I'm allergic to this dog. I don't want to sit on a plane with this dog, or or a cat. Are people using uh, bringing cats on planes as emotional support? Can they do that? I, I just have a, It's just a matter of curiosity for me.
6: Well, if an animal is small enough, you're actually allowed to travel with it as a pet. It doesn't have to be a therapy animal or an emotional support animal or a service animal. And some animals that are taken on planes are cats and some are small dogs.
0: What Um, about uh, reptiles and snakes and things like that? If they're small enough, can you bring them on the plane without a special accommodation as well?
6: I don't think so. I'd I'd find that a little hard to swallow.
0: Okay. (laughs) It's a matter of curiosity for me. It's It's a fun area of law, and, you know, I... I think because it, we're so entrenched, you know, with, with our planet and you know, all the species here live together. There's so much intertwining, you know, we, we, we consume animals for nutrition and, uh, you know, speak I, for yourself. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did. I mean to speak for you, Marcy. <laughs> so, but, uh, but you know, it's just, it's so, it's so interesting how all of this, how it all spindles out. So it's been a real education for me. So I do have one last question for you before, uh, before we conclude our interview today. And, uh, you know, I, there's been a lot of developments in in florida this year when it comes to animal law and so uh, we heard a little bit about that on the last on the last panel uh, but what i'd like to do is uh do kind of a follow-up to that question and that's this if if you could change one regulation or one law with, within the state of florida what what would it be and i want to ask both of you i want to get two different opinions to close out the show with and so uh you know what marcy we'll start with you
6: if I were queen for the day and I could change one thing about the Florida statutes, I think I would change the way that veterinarians are regulated. Um, when someone files a complaint against their veterinarian, it is confidential until it gets to a what's called a probable cause panel. So you could be going to a veterinarian that's had 17 complaints against him or her and not have any way of finding that out because probable cause was never found.
0: Okay. And Gil? Gil?
5: The one thing I would change is the law treating animals as property. We know they're not property, and that rule is really a dark ages type of law. We know that animals can suffer, and everyone recognizes that. It doesn't matter who I talk to, what political affiliation it is. There is so much room for consensus building on that subject and making that change that I think everyone is in agreement that those types of changes in the law should be made and there's a lot of room for improvement from what we have at this point.
0: I think it's a great place to leave the show here uh, because we've run out of time, but uh, it's been a wonderful, I, I really enjoyed my time with, with your seminar today. So thank you so much for being part of it. I, I want to uh, thank uh, Ms. Marcy Lahart and uh, Mr. Gil Panzer, but I, uh, I wanted to, uh, just for the benefit of our audience, if you could leave some contact information, if listeners wanted to get a hold of you, uh, how can they reach you? Uh, marcy, let's start back with you.
6: My email address is marcy at floridaanimallawyer.com, all three
5: words spelled out. And Gil? My email address is gil, G-I-L, just one L and gil, at gilpanzerlaw.com.
0: We hope you enjoyed this series of panel interviews as much as we had recording them. This has been another edition of Special Reports. Until next time, thank you for listening.